I was pretty desperate. I felt like I didn't see my husband anymore and what I was doing around wasn't valued. So, and so I was doing things for my wife that I thought were helping her and she was misinterpreting that, looking as if I was criticising her efforts. Simple misunderstandings can turn even the strongest relationship into a shaky one. So can it be made strong again? I'm Richard Fox and this is Messages of Hope. Today on Messages of Hope, we're exploring the everyday stresses that can build up and damage even a strong relationship, and what we can do to make it strong again. My guests today are Chris and Julie. You guys first met on a houseboat and eventually got married in 1998. What was it that grabbed you about each other at that time? Um, I found it really, really easy to talk to Chris. And... I think it was fairly soon I realised that regardless of whatever else happened in life that I'd be his friend for life. She was lots of fun, Julie was lots of fun. And, but I guess the thing later that I grew to like about her was just the way she loved people, people who other people didn't particularly love. So you went on to get married. Chris was finishing a PhD and you had three children under five and were heavily involved in your church community. Life was busy. What would you say helped keep your relationship strong? We used to take dates. We would have a date once a week and we employed a uni student who would look after our kids. We'd just go out for a dessert or something like that on a Friday night and that was a regular event. So sometimes we'd catch up on things we were going to do in the next week or something. Sometimes we'd just sit there and be with each other and there was no real sort of plan. Yeah, I think that when you're at home and you've got little kids around you, you're seeing to urgent demands of them all the time. And even when you are together, you're not really because you're seeing to mum or dad and when you get irritable or things don't go your way and you're only seeing the other person when you're dealing with other people you don't get to be able to communicate or understand how what the other things that are making them think certain things or behave in particular ways going out on a date regularly allowed us to be able to relax in each other's company and communicate better. Now that all changed quite dramatically when you moved to Memphis in America where Chris had begun a job in medical research. What happened there? So my, my job um, was much more encompassing than I previously thought it would be. And there were pressures that I wasn't prepared for. And there were expectations of me being there for long hours. And, and there was weekend work and where I'd have to go in on weekends and check things. And that meant that a lot of the time I was tired. And Julie certainly got tired because sometimes she had trouble sleeping while I was away and so on. Went pear-shaped, I think, is probably a good I, description. I guess the, the intimacy sort of disappeared a little bit, because, just because we weren't spending decent sort of quality time, whatever that is, together. And it was just survival, just in some ways sort of keep your head above water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was pretty pretty rotten there for a little while. Um, it was just like, I, I feel like he was working about 17 hours out of every 24, seven days a week. I don't think he recalls that, but that's what it certainly felt like. It wasn't that long. <laughs> but... But what used to happen is is that I, I was very aware of Julie's situation and so I would spend my time at work and Julie would pick me up and then we'd go home and, and then Julie was exhausted after having the kids all day and so then I would take look after the kids and try and give her some free time. So so that was fine for her but, but for our relationship that sort of put us apart a bit, I guess. And then um, I sort of vowed while I was over there, where, if when I could, not to work while the family were awake so we'd all go to bed and yeah. he would stay up then working. Then I would stay up and I'd work till one, two, three, sometimes four in the morning. It sounds like you lost that intimacy that you had in the beginning. It seems to have had a big effect on your perspective of the same events. 
which was obviously quite different during this period. It's like you had blinkers on at that stage that you couldn't see the other person's perspective. And we were just so tired. And uh, yeah, I mean, you see photos of me and I'd lost three dress sizes or something. Yes. Just incredible that we <laughs> the different lives that we were living and how we just had no understanding of each other. Julie, you got to the point of desperation. What did you contemplate doing? Well, I phoned Qantas to find out how much it would cost to send a mother and three children back to Australia. Coming up, we'll look at what it took to turn things around. You're listening to Messages of Hope. I'm Richard Fox and my guests are Chris and Julie. We've been talking about how after seven years of marriage, their relationship started to unravel because of all the stresses in their life. Julie, you got to the point of thinking about flying back to Australia with the kids. What stopped you? I remember having a conversation and holding hands and looking at each other and saying, well, we can't afford for us to go over to, to catch a plane to Qantas. We're stuck together. We can't afford to live in separate houses or anything else like that. We're going to have to work this through. And I guess we had at that stage a choice of plodding through and being miserable or plodding through and enjoying the rest of our lives together. And um, I think it's a blessing that we're both tarred with a bit of stubbornness. Well, earlier you talked about how it felt like you were living different lives and didn't understand each other. Can you give an example of how that played out? So, so you know, Julie picked me up from work and then I'd come home and I'd look after the kids and, and I loved it. I absolutely loved doing that. And, and I, I did it for the kids. I also did it for Julie because I knew she'd been with them all day and um, she wanted sometimes more than one syllable type conversations. But in doing that, she basically had nobody to talk to or whatever. But then I would do that. And then um, <clears throat> uh, once the kids had gone to bed, we'd put them to bed and, and Julie would quite often go to bed early-ish. Then, then I'd do a lot of the housework because Julie hadn't really had a chance to do that during the day. And so I would wash floors and do dishes and clean stuff. I didn't touch any of the quilting stuff that day. <laughs> but but I would, I'd do our vacuuming and stuff like this. So how did you feel about doing all that housework? I, I, well, my, my feeling was that, you know, this was, this was very helpful because Julie was tired from looking after the kids and I appreciated it. So this was something little that I could do or my part as far as the running of the home would go. And so after I'd done all that, then I'd start doing whatever work I needed to do to catch up. And so you weren't begrudging or frustrated by that? No, 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 not at all. This, I, I, I actually didn't mind doing it and I, and I actually felt this was, this was some way I could help her. And Julie, what was your perspective? <laughs> See, my perspective, I was growing, I grew up in a loving but really critical home. And so for Chris to be doing all of this stuff afterwards and not spending time with me, um, well, that's how I was perceiving it, was as though, oh, he's doing that because I'm not doing it well enough. What's the point of me even trying? And so I'd probably sulk or, or um, go to bed. And I remember having lots of migraine type things and I'm not sure whether they were or whether that was depression or what was going on but a lot of that was sort of a real poor self-concept I guess and just not understanding that he was actually doing that because he loved me <laughs> and so misinterpreting and and the way I was responding was well you know I I need to have some time with you by myself and so I okay well I'll go and have time by myself and demand it <laughs> and grump about it and be thoroughly miserable. It wasn't very fair on Chris and I'm sure that most people, most women I know would probably have, have given anything for a husband like I had. <laughs> I just wasn't real grateful at that time. 
Yeah. Now, eventually your relationship did begin to turn around and regain the intimacy and understanding you once had. How did that come about? I ended up stumbling across an article about the five love languages and um, it was in his two pages it was describing my life about this um, a husband who's, who used acts of service or doing, yeah, doing things for his wife as a way of loving her and she wasn't able to appreciate that because the way that she would want to show that any that she loved anybody was spending time with them and when I realized that oh wow that's exactly us um I was able to recognize that what he was doing was actually things that showed that he loved me and he didn't speak my language and I wasn't speaking his and we weren't understanding each other once I, I think I shared that with him I can't yeah. Yeah, share that no, with him and it just changed the dynamics in our house yeah. and so it's just being aware of the different ways that people show love to each other. And I think in the five love languages, there's acts of service was one, uh, quality time, gifts. Help me out here, Jules. Uh, um, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation and... Touch. Touch, that's yeah. right, physical touch. Which... Um, and so so in... people have a combination of those, but but often there'll be one that you know people really relate to or is, is, is strong in their life. Well, how did this new knowledge play out in your relationship? Well, we discovered that the the harder we were working at loving each other, we were, because we were using the wrong language, we were actually doing exactly opposite to what each other needed. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so for me, so being conscious so of for that. me, uh, you know, I, I could I could still do things, you know, acts of service, you know, to help around, but but that that's not what Julie was really after. And once she realised that that was the way I was showing that I loved her, then she could appreciate that, and I could appreciate that she just wanted some quality time. So we could then say, well, look, we we have to have have dates together. We need to find a, a babysitter, and and so we started doing that. Yeah. We we got yeah. some of the youth from the church who were willing to babysit and who loved to earn a little bit of money. We didn't have to pay a lot, but. Um, So we could have some time together. I started cooking (laughs) again, Um, even if it was just an onion so it smelled like it was going to be good. (laughs) There were all these other tricks that I was learning from the other ladies at church. It was good. Yeah, and he, yeah, Chris really, really responded to me being able to do it. And when I recognised that he was doing it out of love and not out of, because I wasn't doing it good enough, um, I was just more than happy to be able to do things for him just to show that I loved him. And I guess he sort of appreciated that that's not my natural thing that I would do, so it meant more. Thanks, Chris and Julie, for sharing your journey with us. It's so easy for us to lose that intimate connection with our partners, even though we still love each other. I especially appreciated hearing about the love languages and that it's never too late to reconnect. It gives us hope for our own relationships. God continue to bless you with his love and presence. You've been listening to Messages of Hope. The stress of life can easily derail our relationships, but if we can stay connected with each other and with God, we can find the balance we need to keep our relationships strong. For more about staying connected in the midst of stress, go to messagesofhope.org.au or for a free booklet titled Stressed But Connected, call 1-800-353-350. That's 1-800-353-350. I'm Richard Fox, the pastor of the Lutheran Church, where love comes to life. I hope you can join us again next week for another message of hope, real hope, to cope with life's challenges.